Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome back to episode 352 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're plunging into a concept that encourages us to bear it all and not just in the physical sense, skinny dipping. But this isn't just about shedding clothes. It's about shedding insecurities, embracing vulnerability, and diving into personal growth. Our expert of the day is Dr. Kira Barr. Fusing science with soul, Dr. Barr is a certified trauma-trained somatic practitioner, breathwork guide, and dual board-certified integrative dermatologist. She has empowered countless women globally with the resources to find the calm, clarity, and confidence they yearn for. As the voice behind the Skinny Dipping Prescription podcast and the brain behind somatic skin science, Dr. Barr Imagine skincare as an embodiment of our life's journey. She has a very impressive bio. Make sure you're checking her bio and her website. It's on the show notes. But before we submerge ourselves in today's deep dive, here is a nod to our wonderful sponsor, the Sexual Health Alliance. For those passionate about taking their love for sexuality to a professional level, be it as a sex therapist, educator, coach, or couples therapist, their go-to platform. Dive in at your own pace, fully online. Curious? Hop over to sexualhealthalliance.com or click in the link in the show notes. Now, let's jump right in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to welcome Dr. Kira Barr to our show. Kira, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am very excited about this conversation. This is part of our novelty series. Like in during summer, we've been talking about different ways that couple can bring excitement into the relationship. And I read the article you contributed to about skinny dipping. So I'm very excited about this conversation. How did you get interested in writing about that? Well, I'll try to make this short. (laughs) My background is in dermatology. And, you know, as a dermatologist, we always had to get people naked in order to have teach them what to look for on their own skin to save their own life. The focus of my practice when I was practicing clinically was skin cancer and melanoma, skin cancer being the most prevalent cancer in the United States. So you really need to look closely at what's on the skin surface. And what I found after decades of practice is, you know, we really have to be willing to get naked mentally and emotionally as well, go bidding beyond the surface to really address how we are showing up in the skin of ours. So it just made sense for me to kind of parlay that concept of stripping off the layers of skin, stripping off the layers of our clothes, and really stripping off the layers of the things that are holding us back from really showing up as, I guess, our most authentic, truest version of 
of who we are. Such a beautiful story. And I think for people getting naked, period, can be very overwhelming, even with the long-term partner. That's why, like, most people say, like, I want to have sex when the light is off and, like, under the sheet. So skinny dipping is opposite of that. So how can couples approach the subject, even with a partner, if they've never done it before? Yeah, I love this. And I get that a lot. You know, getting naked physically, for sure, is incredibly vulnerable. Getting naked mentally and emotionally is also incredibly vulnerable. And the beautiful thing is we know how to do this. Each one of us already knows how to do this. It's creating a safe space with your partner to be able to express yourself, to share what you're really feeling. And also there's that physical aspect. I mean, you could make this fun. There's many different ways to to do this. If you're talking about the purely physical, not to make it clinical, but I always encourage everyone to, you know, go skinny dipping on the date of their birthday to check their birthday suit for any uninvited guests. So you could always make a game of it. Like it's date night, we're each getting naked and we're going to check each other's skin looking for anything you know, that looks a little unusual and then you can parlay that into kind of a sun activity afterwards. So you can, you know, from a fairly physical standpoint, you can actually support each other's health and, you know, sun at the same time. When it comes to the other aspects, I really encourage people to do it outside the bedroom, right? So it's not charged. You're not doubly, you know, exposed being naked physically and also trying to share, you know, things that matter a lot to you. So I think choosing your moments, you know, outside the bedroom and just making it known, like, hey, there's something I want to talk about or I'm feeling this way. You know, I think I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. But especially if you haven't had that kind of experience with your partner where you're just kind of getting to know each other. If it's a long-term relationship, that's a little bit of a different situation. But I think it's, you know, being comfortable. It starts with ourselves, really, is what it is. You can't really go skinny dipping with someone else in the way that I'm talking about until you've done it with yourself, getting comfortable with your own experience. Such an important point you brought up about kind of first getting comfortable even with yourself. Like I have clients that they run to the shower. They don't even look at yourself, their, themselves in front of the mirror. They don't even explore their own body. So that can feel very challenging to share something that you don't even haven't explored yourself. And many people feel insecure about their body, about the cellulite, about the stretch mark, everything that's part of the kind of like a getting through different stages of life. It's interesting that you say like people, even you encourage them to kind of look for any changes in the body and skin, which is like kind of, I feel like advanced version of, right? Like we're talking about speaking of insecurities. What are some of the advice you have for people that they want to get comfortable in their own skin. They they want to change that kind of like narrative inside about nudity. Yeah, I think that is so important. We offered the messages and messaging that we get, especially those of us socialized as women, is there's something inherently wrong with you. I mean, just the fact that makeup exists, that somehow that we are supposed to cover up or camouflage this skin that we were born with. You know, there's the other side of that of using makeup and and extensions and lashes to accentuate our beauty features that that we love about ourselves but I think most of us kind of take the opposite stance right we're doing it because there's something that we want to hide 
And I think it can be really hard to go from, I really hate this about myself. I feel insecure about my cellulite or my wrinkles to I love myself. That's a big leap. I mean, it would be amazing if we could do that, but it's usually not the way it works. And so I really encourage people oftentimes to begin a practice of mirror work, not being fully naked. Maybe you're fully clothed and it's just you're looking at your reflection. And just from a neutral standpoint of like, this is my face. I have a face, you know. And then, you know, looking at your eyes. If there's wrinkles around your eyes, instead of focusing on the wrinkles, could we focus on the fact that your eyes help you see? Focusing on function rather than the flaws. I have these eyelashes. Yes, they're not like, you know, eight miles long. Like I can have extensions put on. But the eyelashes that I do have protect my eyes from debris getting in. So then I can see, I can see the sunrise, I can see the sunset, I can see all these amazing things. So I think, you know, it can begin from a very neutral point of like, I have a body, my body has a function, that function helps me get up and do stuff I need to do day after day after day, my body has my back. Eventually, this is a practice, there's no perfect, there's no one and done, eventually that becomes easier. And the conversation can be expanded into, oh, well, I actually, I actually like the way that looks, you know, and you can apply that to every part of your body. Such a beautiful recommendation. I, I work with some clients that have eating disorders and I, I say that what, what you share with us, that kind of like, it's really hard from going to the place of self-hatred to self-appreciation, right? Like we have to focus on neutrality first. I'm thinking about how can I feel more neutral, what kind of even an internal conversation I can have with myself, like adjusting my self-talk so I can feel more comfortable on the body that I have and focusing on function and even reminding yourself every day about it that can be very powerful. And I think it's very, it can be very magical and powerful for showing in, showing to with our partners and as our whole imperfect vulnerable self and kind of being naked is as part of that so how can skinny dipping can potentially enhance intimacy between couples yeah i think it's a great question going back to what we were just talking about a lot of the work that i do with clients it isn't the talking right because we can tell ourselves so many different things like i can say i like who i am but i'm not feeling that way inside and that's where embodying practices and somatics really comes into play of what's happening beneath the surface. When I look in the mirror and I'm criticizing myself, what happens? Where do I notice? Is there any tension or constriction? How can I try and move through that? Allow it to be here. And then what wants to happen next, right? Do we need to shake it out? Do we need to take a breath? Do I need to do a little bit of, you know, stretching, I'm like moving on. You can, if people are just listening, they're going to be able to, to hear me, but audible size, different somatic practices that can be used. The same thing applies when you're with another. When you're with your partner, when they say things to you, notice how you're feeling. How does that make you feel in your body? Does it make you just melt or does it make you contract, right? That's a, that's a clue. And that's an invitation to share with your partner. If you hopefully have, if you're in the bedroom, hopefully you have a good enough communication to express, hey, when you said X, I'm noticing that I'm feeling Y and either we can talk about it or I just need a moment to maybe like attend to myself, right? 
The other aspect is bringing mindfulness into the interaction, right? Especially for women in terms of our desire and arousability. Our primal language is touch, sound, and movement. And touch can be incredibly powerful. Self-touch, especially. The touch of our partner. And if we're feeling insecure about our thighs and our cellulite and our recalls, can we we can block that out a little bit and just attune to the sensation of the touch of your partner on your body, right? And just lean further into the, the physicality of it rather than so you're getting out of your head and into your body. And Dr. Lori Brado wrote a book, Better Sex and Mindfulness, and it's and it's it's really a translation of John Kevin's mindfulness based stress reduction applied to sex and sexuality. And it really it spans every aspect of our lives, right? When we kind of get out of our head, into our bodies, into the present moment, our experience of ourselves and of our partner, just it's like going from black and white to technicolor. I agree with you. I think it's just kind of like paying attention to here and now the sensation, what shows up. It helps people to not get hooked on the other stories that show up that like, you know, maybe my partner is comparing my body to so-and-so. Look at that, like my body changed because of this, all of that and helps you to anchor in the moment. Sometimes I recommend couples to do the exercise, some kind of grounding exercise at the beginning of their kind of like quote unquote foreplay, when they do kind of like start this ritual of connection, is there any kind of somatic grounding exercises that you recommend to couples that they do it together so they can be more in their bodies when they start relating sexually or sensually? Yeah, I think just the simple practice of breathing together, right? We are energetic beings and we can either co-regulate or co-dysregulate together. So just noticing your breath and how you're breathing. Are you breathing fast? You're breathing slow, shallow. And even inviting your partner, like, let's just breathe together. And like sitting in with each other, if it's comfortable to make eye contact, sometimes that's a little too much, right? Direct eye contact can be too much. Maybe a soft gaze and just putting either hand on your own, to your own heart, or even placing, you know, swapping hands, like, you know, your hand is on my heart center. My hand is on your heart center. We can just feel our bodies in rhythm and kind of get into a rhythm without it being, you know, having to be so, I mean, that's very intimate. Breathing together, being in the same space, feeling each other's energy. And from there, once you're kind of in sync, you can decide, all right, what what wants to happen I love that you brought bringing this up, like what, what wants to happen next. And for many people, they kind of like in a way condition themselves. Like they look at the scripts and media porn wherever and they, they have almost a non-negotiable script in their mind about sex versus what kind of like tuning into our body and kind of thinking about what, what wants to happen next. How can we tap into that part? It takes a lot of practice. This is why doing our own work outside the bedroom kind of all day, every day throughout the day is is really important. And I'm not saying it takes a lot of work, but I noticed like before our conversation, I was busy and I was and I kind of was disconnected from myself. So I just sat down and took a few breaths and I noticed, huh, like I was actually thirsty or I needed I then I had a little tension. I need to shake it out. Right. It's it can be as simple as that of just I'm just gonna take a moment while we're breathing and then maybe part of your body that is calling out to you like, hey, yeah, my shoulder's a little tense. Maybe my partner can rub my shoulders. That would be nice. Or, you know, 
my, it's my bath or my, you know, or I'm feeling a little heat in my, you know, intimate bits. Like it's really a matter of tuning into yourself first. And that's not selfish, right? A relationship is all about kind of knowing how to communicate your needs and being open to receiving what the other person also needs. So you can, you can, it can be a very mutual thing, but if you just kind of leave it up to your partner and just be like, oh, just do whatever, that's not going to be very satisfying. So sometimes slowing things down, right? There's, we have this primordial, you know, theme wired into our DNA of slowing down and connecting and safety, right? So that's also like, do I feel in this situation? Do I need to just breathe for a moment? All of these things can happen simultaneously, but it's a matter of just like, in many ways, just pausing in the presence of someone else. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's one of the even the reasons that bringing novelty in the relationship can be helpful is because it helps people to kind of pay attention, right? Like we are kind of conditioned in a way when the situation is newer, we are present. And we know with sex, when we are present, it's it's where the magic happens. But that's what Lori even kind of mentioned in the book about the mindfulness. And even as you were talking about the simple act of, and now in her book, she talks about eating raisin mindfully that can increase people's desire. So when I think about skinny dipping, I feel like element of it could be doing this connecting ritual with your partner. Part of it could be if that's something that haven't people haven't done in the past, could be a novel experience. And also there are just so many factors in the environment, senses that it can help you to kind of like be more present. Are there other things that you think that's possibly makes skinny dipping interesting for people? Are there other elements that we haven't talked about? I mean, skinny dipping is a whole process that I take people through. And it's really, if you think about, I see everything through a skin lens. Our skin has many different layers. And the whole concept of skinny dipping is to look at what's here for you in this moment and decide on purpose, is it serving you? And if not, what might need to happen to shed those layers away, right? A lot of it does have to do with sleep and nutrition and movement and a lot of the lifestyle factors that directly will impact your desire and arousal. Like if you're exhausted, you're not getting good sleep, the likelihood that you're going to be in the mood for sex or that you're going to, you know, be able to fully be in it and enjoy it. The other thing, too, is we know that stress plays such a significant role, right? If when our stress response is activated and chronically activated, like it is for so many of us post-pandemic and just life in general, like the our body's going to prioritize our survival, not having sex. So I think so much of skinny dipping is noticing what is happening inside of me at this moment. Have I totally disconnected from my body? Can I not even sit still? All right, what, so what needs to happen? What needs to happen now? A lot of it is many of us are stuck in this kind of functional free state where we're doom scrolling on social media. We, need, we know we need to do something else or connect with our partner, have that conversation, but we don't know. We shame ourselves for it. And then we kind of just get into this loop, right? I just want to offer if that happens, nothing has gone wrong. Your body is so wise. It is wired to your survival. And skinny dipping is this invitation opportunity to be like, are these strategies that you're using still necessary? Are they serving you? And if they aren't, what needs to happen next? And that can be a conversation that you actually have with yourself first, but then also have with your partner. I can't tell you how many times my husband and I, you know, we've been together almost 30 years now. 
And on a regular basis, we just check in with each other and be like, you know, we're not sleeping. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of things that we're, we're not supporting us. So how can I support you in accomplishing the goals that you want so that we then have increased quality time? Well, I know you talk about it a lot about the context in the context of personal transformation. So can you tell us more about what you mean by going skinny dipping in, in that context? Yeah, it's a lot of what I was just referring to where skinny dipping is looking at what's here for you and celebrating the things that are working and then shedding the layers that are no longer serving us to reveal what we actually how we want to be showing up in the world, how, what we want to create in our lives. And a lot of this does stem back to unresolved trauma and unmanaged stress. So a lot of the work that I do with people is looking at, sometimes we do start with things that, you know, not everyone wants to go deep, you know, in right away, but looking at lifestyle factors, you know, environment, you mentioned the environment. There's a lot of distractions in our environment and especially our visual environment. This is a big one that I start with, especially those of us who have struggled with body image issues or eating disorders or what have you. What are you looking at on a daily basis? What is in your social media feed? What's on your bookshelf? What shows are you watching? Who are you following on YouTube? And if it's anything, this is where doing those somatic check-ins, like when you are looking at any of those platforms, if there's any sense of contraction or not in your throat, you know, stomach or a lump in your throat when you're looking at them, that's a signal that perhaps that's a layer that you might want to exfoliate, right? That you might want to shed. Remove the things in your visual environment that are really creating distress. Same thing in your bedroom with your partner. Are there piles of clothes on the floor? Is there a TV in your room that's always on that's getting in the way of communicating with your partner and having their full attention. Well, I think it's kind of like bringing that element of mindfulness can be very helpful and even transformative, as you mentioned, for many couples, because sometimes we're just so disconnected with our bodies and with our partner's body that that can be the root of the challenge. So can you walk us through like when you kind of prescribe this for your couples? Yeah. What does that ritual usually look like? What do you recommend them to do at the beginning, middle and at the end? I know that majority of it is like follow your own, like what, what needs to happen next, right? Like that's the idea. But what is the usual container for people? Yeah, I'll name that I primarily work one-on-one and not typically working with couples. So the work that we do transcends into the dynamic of a couple. But I really do often focus on the individual first because I think you have to meet people where they're at. And sometimes both members, both participants and a couple are not the same place. And so ensuring that at least one of the partners feels safe and comfortable to use their voice to express their needs. I think a lot of the women that I've worked with, including myself, like when my therapist asked me, what do you really want? I was like, I don't know. So how can we go to our partners and say, you're not doing that? Or like, I want that. I haven't even taken a moment and really get curious. What is it that I even want or need from this relationship? So the very first thing is really kind of getting familiar with where am I right now? How am I seeing things? What is going right? What is What do I see as the biggest obstacle? And what would it look like on the other side? I use a lot of art, actually, at the beginning when I start working with people. 
I have them do a series of drawings that really, because a lot of times we do get stuck in our head. There's this story. We're stuck in the story. But art is a way to tap into our subconscious with, you know, in a very non-threatening way. And so oftentimes that's kind of where I start. You need to know what's here on the surface for you and what needs to maybe, you know, be shed and exfoliated along the way. And then it's really looking at resourcing individuals, right? A lot of times when there's conflict or there's challenges in a relationship, you know, this better than I do, given that you work with um, couples, but many are just under-resourced and they don't realize how disconnected they are. They just think this is the way it is. They're exhausted, they're overwhelmed, but don't have that self-awareness yet as to why. So teaching people some basic practices, you know, breath work, grounding, different movement practices, really helping to fortify people's stress resilience so that when they are engaging with their partner, they can be more responsive to each other versus just reactive and kind of that trigger. You know, there's the window of capacity or window of tolerance. And a lot of times we're kind of going above our window or a curtain will say something, then you push them out of their window and it becomes this infinity loop of just chaos. So I think it's, it's really helping support people support their own nervous system regulation. So when they come into the dynamic with their partner, they're much more grounded. They're much more calm and able to respond instead of react. So we spend a lot of time kind of working on resourcing. Beautiful. And I know some people, because of their trauma experiences, prolonged prolonged stresses that they endured in life, they tell me at times they almost never feel calm in their body or present. So they actually need the distraction in the moment. So I, I guess what I'm hearing is that relatively to kind of like put yourself in the window of tolerance, like at least you regulate yourself in a way that you will be open to connecting. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll name just kind of a personal example. My husband, work can be really stressful for him. There's just a lot of administrative stuff and he can come home and he's very fiery. <laughs> and so I'll notice, you know, that while he's talking at me, I'm feeling in my, I know he's not directing it at me. He's just sharing, but I can feel my body tense up and And I have to remind myself, connect to the ground, feel your feet on the ground, take a few breaths. So I'm centering and grounding myself. And as my breathing starts to slow and regulate, we are energetic beings. I'm co-regulating with it. He notices that I'm slowing down. So his volume and his tone will start to soften and lower as well. So that's why it's so important. And then we'll joke, you know, I'll be like, did you, did you see what I just did there? You know, we make a joke about it, right? And she's like, oh my God, you get me every time. Like, and it helps, right? Because when you were spun up in our own story, sometimes we can't catch the fact that we are defaulting to our old strategies. And that's okay. Nothing has gone wrong for ourselves when we can ground, when we can, you know, soothe ourselves, soothing self-touch, kind words, an audible sigh, different simple practices. It can help you be more present to yourself and what you might need. And it can help you be more present to your, with your partner. And that can help them be more present for themselves. And then it becomes this beautiful back and forth. Well, I guess some people, what shows up for me is I know some people were almost kind of like in a way 
trained to look for imperfection, like because of their job, because of the training that they have. And that's the lens that they have. And sometimes people have perfectionistic tendencies, like traits. So how can those people kind of like zoom out in a way, like when you're in the bedroom and that narrow vision to more of a holistic approach? What do you do with those individuals? Yeah, that's tough. And listen, I find myself there too at times, right? And like I said, I've been with my husband 30. He's seen everything. We've got kids, like he's seen the inside eye, everything. And I'll still have the moments where I get caught up. And again, that's where we need to get out of our head and just into our body. That is where mindfulness and really focusing on our five senses, right? If you can just even feel the sheets against the back of your leg, feel the support of the surface beneath you. Just the, maybe as you are rolling around in the sheets, feeling a little bit of a breeze on on your back, right? Attuning to your senses will get you out of that perfectionistic cycle and spin and bring you into the present moment. The sounds, the smells, the taste, touch, it's a practice. It's not easy, right? A lot of times, a minute and a mouth and a minute and that's And that's success because you begin to realize, oh my God, I just popped out of my body and into my head, but I have an opportunity to go back, right? It's not a problem if you get caught up thinking about your thighs or whatever, but it's an invitation once you're on to yourself, you're like, is that really what I want to be focusing on right now? Or do I want to really enjoy this moment and experience incredible pleasure of being in the presence of someone I care about? What I'm hearing is a work in the progress, right? That like, <laughs> so it's not yes. like a one shot kind of a strategy. No, it, that, and that's the thing. And that's where, you know, the analogy of skin always plays because our skin cycles, like healthy skin cycles, especially when we're young, like every 20 to 30 days, as we get older, it slows down a little bit, but it's constantly turning over. It's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. It's the same thing with us as humans and our process. It is a practice It's going to feel like we're getting it right sometimes. It's going to feel like we're getting it wrong sometimes. But the gift is like, we can keep trying it and nothing has gone wrong. It's like, it is a practice. There is no such thing as perfect. And it's easier said than done because I still have, like I said, I'm not going to be like, I'm, I figured this out. It's amazing. I can get, you know, naked whenever and go skinny to bang and shit is hard. Pardon me, Amara Watson. Yeah, like, please. It, it's a sex show. So <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, it, but it, it is hard and just know that it's hard for everybody. And it does get easier the more you practice. But nothing has gone wrong if sometimes it feels harder than others. But it isn't a one and done. There is no such thing. Or if there is, I, I, not, I don't know what that is. I, it's not for me. And I think, you know, what showed up for me is like, you know, it's with your husband, you and your husband have more of attunement with this, right? It's the shared language you guys have about this. And what if our partner is not into slowing down? They're, they don't want to come skinny dipping with us. Then, then what? How can we navigate kind of like from that lens? Oh, yeah. I have plenty of clients that that's their experience. And I'll name when I first started this doing diving deep into this work about a decade ago. And my cousin was not on board. He's like, you do that. That is not for me. This is not how I go. This is not how I work. Again, the more we work on ourselves, if we want it for ourselves and we practice slowing down for ourselves and we notice how good it feels, there is a ripple effect. Like my kids, I've had teenagers and it was a back and forth nagging. The more I've done this work, the less reactive I am, which means some at first they were like, 
why are you not yelling at us? I need you to yell at me. I'm like, yelling at you doesn't make me feel good. So I'm not going to do it. We're doing something differently now. You can get on board or not. Like, and that's saying you have to give your partner an ultimatum. But what I am encouraging people to do is just because your partner may not be ready doesn't mean you have to forgo your own emotional, mental health and well-being. Sometimes it might mean that the relationship may rupture. But that's a beautiful thing about relationships. <laughs> There's always rupture and repair. And I've had clients who, you know, have made the decision to permanently separate. But that's usually not the case. What happens is when people really commit to their own process, that ripple effect has positive impact on everyone around you, not just in your intimate relationships, but at work. People you meet at the grocery store and everyone around you. So always it's okay. It's not selfish to start with yourself. And if your partner isn't on board, that's okay. That's how we get our courage to say, hey, this is important to me, right? This is really important to me. I'm doing this. You don't have to, but I'm doing it. And they may not appreciate how much they're actually going to benefit from you doing your own work. Beautiful. Well, it's it's really wonderful to see that this is a kind of something that people can tap into, right? That because I when it comes to any sort of mindfulness, like one of the things I hear from people, I've tried in the past, I get distracted. But the practice is turning the mind over and over and kind of like trying to remain present. Before we close our sessions, is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you wanted to share with our audience about this topic? I think what you just said is such an important point that so many people think meditation isn't for them or mindfulness isn't for them or any of this work isn't for them because they tried it and it doesn't work. And then I would offer that it doesn't have to look any certain way. It's going to look the way that it works for you. Like sitting down to meditate for 10 to 20 minutes. I've tried that. And sometimes when I'm more regulated and, and I'm taking really good care of myself, that feels right. But most of the time, it's little things that I'm doing throughout the day, like little habit stacking, right? The, the small changes, that compound effect, the little changes eventually have huge momentum and shift. So I think, you know, cut yourself some slack for all of those perfectionists, those perfecting, you know, I, I'm definitely with you. There's no way to do this wrong and there is no getting it done as frustrating as that may be, but it's, there's fun to be had in the process. And that fun is really getting to rediscover yourself you know, when we were little kids, we used to play and walk around naked with our bellies hanging out. We didn't give a shit about anything. Like this is that kind of opportunity to get back to that playful, vibrant, authentic, exciting side of ourselves. That's what skinny tipping is about. Really just reconnecting with yourself. Beautiful. So for our listeners that they want to learn more about you, about your practice, what are some of the places they can find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm just starting to get a little bit more active. So at Dr. Kira Barr on Instagram at my website, drkirabar.com, although that's going to be getting a revamp soon with more of my focused mind skin content. And those are two of the best places. You know, if people are really curious, you know, if their skincare, quote unquote, skincare routine needs a makeover, there's a free quiz, yourskincarequiz.com. It dives deeper into some of the content that we've been talking about today. Beautiful, beautiful. We'll make sure that the, we leave a link in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on this show and sharing your expertise with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And that wraps up another episode of Sexology Podcast. You know, it's truly common for many of us to feel vulnerable or even uncomfortable with our own bodies. 
especially when it comes to being in our purest naked form. But here's the truth. Every scar, every stretch mark, every imperfection is a testament to our unique journeys. Embracing our naked truth is not about feeling comfortable in our skin, but it's also about celebrating who we are unfiltered. So whether you're considering skinny dipping in the literal or metaphorical sense, remember, it's more than okay to take your time, find your comfort zone, and then when ready, dive into the beauty of vulnerability. You're not alone in this journey, and there's immense power in taking that leap of faith. Speaking of journeys, for those of you feeling the pull toward professional path in sexuality, I've got some empowering news for you. The road to becoming a certified sex therapist or educated has historically been, well, very complicated. One of the best organizations that gives certification is ASAC. And for myself, it, it was a journey to figure out what courses to take, where can I find group supervision. But here's where our wonderful sponsor, Sexual Health Alliance, make an entrance. Are you driven to elevate your career to unparalleled heights as a certified sexuality expert? The Sexual Health Alliance is your guiding star. Immerse yourself in a flexible online format, learning from trailblazers of the field. With Shaw, you not only fulfill the certification requisites, but also connect with a wonderful community of professionals spanning the globe. The cherry on top, they're meticulous about the talent they bring on board, ensuring a passionate, dedicated cohorts of learners. So if you are interested to learn more, go to sexualhealthalliance.com or find the link right in our show notes. Remember, every step you take, every vulnerability you embrace, you're not just growing, you're thriving. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep loving. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.